Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hi Stephanie, welcome to Better Tech. Before we start talking about today's topic, which is around content creation, let's have a quick introduction of yourself for our audience. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me on, Amna. Um, I'm Stephanie Wong. I'm a senior senior developer advocate at Google Cloud. I am a speaker. I write. I'm an architect. And I have a mission to blend storytelling and technology to create inspiring online developer content. So at Google Cloud, I've created over 300 videos, blogs, courses, tutorials, and podcasts that have helped our developers and our communities learn fundamentals, solve their toughest challenges, and pass certifications all over the world. Um, So I've done things like create YouTube series, like networking end-to-end, season of scale, eyes on enterprise. And I've also hosted the annual conference that we have called Google Cloud Next. Um, Before Google, I helped businesses implement cloud technologies at Oracle. In my past roles, I've been a sales engineer and a customer success manager. I worked at Oracle, um, and that's where I helped helped customers to deploy cloud technologies. My journey into developer relations, however, um, and content creation began at Google as I helped to pioneer technical video content creation. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco and in my free time, I've also been a former pageant queen. Um, I was Miss Asian North America 2020 and Miss Chinatown USA 2016. So I have a lot of um, performance and on-stage experience there too. Um, but I'm also deeply involved in the local Bay Area community where I serve as an Asian American ambassador and I also mentor young professionals. Um, I'm very active in supporting women in tech and mentors, mentoring students. Um, and then just in my free time, I also love dancing, like hip hop dancing, and I have a pretty unhealthy obsession with dogs. Right, right. Who doesn't love dogs? <laughs> exactly. So I can already tell our audience will learn a lot from you. So your social media is not your portfolio. How do you feel about this statement? Yeah, um, well, I I overall agree with the statement. Um, Using social media to promote your work and content is obviously absolutely encouraged. But if it's nothing but that, then your work and content is... um, Without, you know, without content, context, authenticity, or personality, it's simply just a portfolio of your work, and you're making your social media only about you. But when you post great work with no context about, around the what, the how, and the why behind creating that content and how it specifically solves your audience's pain points, again, you're making it all about you, and in the end, it's, it's hurting your brand. When you do that, you're simply a commodity whose value is based solely on your portfolio. However, when you nurture and develop relationships with your potential clients or your audience, and that's built on connection, rapport, and trust based on the valuable content that you share, then you're seen in a completely different light. Um, Maybe you love getting inspired by beautifully curated content or social media posts, and you, you love connecting with your audiences through stories or posts, or perhaps you're more like me and you recognize that social media, it is a great community platform, but it's also an effective tool. And maybe you schedule your posts in advance to minimize your time scrolling through the apps. Uh, But social media platforms like Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn are just one part of the funnel to get your audience to take an action, right? Ultimately, you want your your audience to do a click, 
visit your website, sign up for a free trial, spin up a resource on your cloud platform, or educate themselves using your content or your code labs and tutorials. So that's why I think social media is not your portfolio or not just your portfolio. It may help you get your foot in the door, but all roads will ultimately lead back to your website or the call to action that you want your audience to take. Right. Um, it's your website, the product page, et cetera, that should be the shining example of your work. And that should be built and you know, as a cohesive user experience and with tailored messaging. Um, what I do think social media should provide is for you to be social. Uh, social me media users are generally tired of really extremely polished portfolio content and a lack of connection online. So they're there to take action to get back to the purpose of social media, which is to be social. Uh, you know, people are craving to build relationships with who they follow. And they're, they're learning about who you are and the face behind the account and connecting with you in a real honest way. They, they actually want to see the messy behind the scenes looks, not just the perfect blogger images. And with more and more proof about how social media is fostering dishonesty and general disingenuity these days, people are craving what they know is real and true. So your content requires substance, realness, and should personify your, you should personify your content through your own lens of the world and your particular domain or industry, whether it's about your family or cats or databases and streaming analytics, UX design, no code app development or serverless. Speaking of that, if you take an individual as a brand, how do you find that balance between coming off, you know, showcasing your individual personalized uh, self as opposed to, you know, just uh, really focusing on your business? That is a tough challenge that I try to figure out every single day. I am trying to actively seek and find my own voice in all of this, right? Because I am a representative of my company. But I think it's important to realize that you do have the liberty to use your platform to represent yourself first and foremost, right? Obviously be cognizant of what the brand and your company wants you to represent, keep that messaging right. in your thoughts at all time when you write content. But first and foremost, people are following you because you're you, not because you are Google Cloud, right? Because otherwise they would just follow Google Cloud brand accounts. So just remember that they are there to follow you and your personal experiences at the company, bring in your voice, bring in your lens on the world and the technology that you represent, whether it's cryptocurrency or it is Kubernetes, you must have experiences in those areas, those domains that allow you to be a thought leader in the space. And that's sort of what is so underlined as important in career development and progression, right? You want to be seen as a leader, as a thought leader. And so brand management and communicating that brand requires you to think deeply about your perspective in that domain and knowledge area and communicate that out broadly to the world. So just remember that you are your own owner in your brand management uh, and just keep the, in the back of your head that you are also a rep representative of your company. Makes sense. So what's your foolproof strategy to define and build your brand that you also advise to others? Yeah, I mean, over time, people have often commented on my strong personal brand. And at first it was puzzling to me because I hadn't done anything intentional to build it. I thought I was just being me. Um, and over time, I realized that my brand was so strong because see, the key takeaway is to find what you love to do and just to continue doing more of it. And it's really just that simple. When we do more of what we are good at and what we are passionate about, we get excited, we do better work, and we often fall into a state of productive flow. And then that productivity continuously increases and we thrive. 
when we do the work we love, we're more enthusiastic and we can talk about our projects more and keep sharing what we're doing and we teach others. And that ultimately is a feedback loop that solidifies your personal brand, right? So it's important to share what you love and why with the other people in your network. And the first thing that I think of is finding your niche or your brand. You've probably heard this before. You need to figure out what that niche is and try not to stray too far from it. That's what a personal brand is all about. What are you known for or what do you want to be known for? And you can't start too broad because you want to naturally build a following in a good way to do that is to find your community. So for me, I work in technology and I can talk about cloud technologies all day and you know, subsequently are related for my personal brand outside of work. I also offer career or personal branding and productivity tips, especially as it relates to the technology industry. And my Google brand and my personal brand are symbiotic and that one helps the other. But I'm also working towards honing my niche in my personal branding space for a reason so that the people who are deliberately looking for this information will follow me even if I go beyond Google or I switch companies in the future, right? And I've made this tech joke before, but doing so is like building high availability for yourself. Um, So some even argue that you should hyper niche or become more targeted. And to be honest, the internet has revolutionized the ability to form very tight communities, whether you like knitting sweaters for your cats or you have a cooking channel for your hamster. I mean, there is something for everyone. So just leverage your interests and, you know, target your audiences that way. And the same goes for businesses. Find the key principles, values, and themes that your company truly believes in. The key to branding is authenticity and sticking by that. So perhaps it's giving the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. That's Twitter's mission statement. Or using technology and design to connect the world through fitness, empowering people to be the best versions of themselves. And that's Peloton. Or it's accelerating the world to transition to sustainable energy, which is Tesla. So your content should always be informed by your brand and your values. And just find your voice through this lens and infuse it into all of your messaging, your posts, your presentations, any form of communication. And often tech businesses find it difficult to be creative. Have you ever come across such examples that you'd like to share? Yeah, of course. I mean, on my team, we are constantly stretching the boundaries of creative content in technology every day. Um, I have an animated series called Discovering Data Centers, where I take people through all of these various technical concepts at a data center, whether it's operational or it's software related. We have other animated series like Cloud Bytes. We have drawing series that my teammate has created called Sketchnotes. Uh, my other teammate, Max, created a new series on YouTube called Choose Your Own Adventure. So if you're used to seeing like Bandersnatch on Netflix, where you get to interact with the characters, it's exactly like that on YouTube, but about um, technology. So you have the ability to follow a story of a business um, that delivers food to people who run outside. So it's totally fake. And it's, uh, it's kind of just a humorous way of telling a story, but it's interactive, it's creative. And it also teaches the concepts about, you know, when a business needs to use load balancers or content delivery networks or figure out how to manage encryption keys or choose a database. And then, you know, we also have teammates that are using TikTok or Instagram to create reels um, or create a comic book describing security concepts in the cloud featuring a dog and a dinosaur. Um, We've also done a cooking show talking about technology. So there are various ways that you can be creative. Um, What I do is I use what I see in the real world on other platforms like Netflix, Hulu, et cetera. And I take that as inspiration. I have created shows 
and pieces of content that are similar to conversational one-on-one talk shows, kind of like The View um, or sports center type shows or bringing viewers into a data center, giving them an insider look into what people normally can't see or just doing a simple like day in the life video, following me around. Like what do I do every day as a developer advocate? Um, So you're really just trying to pique people's interests. Um, But the key thing here is just providing a personality and authenticity and a name and face with ideas to distill complex topics into a digestible, fun piece of content. And then I'm enabling my community to educate themselves about our technology and pushing them towards, um, you know, some sort of call to action without being too obvious about it. There's also a bunch of other examples that companies that I've seen have done incredible jobs creating um, very interesting pieces of content. Uh, One of them is Spotify. They've been really creative with their ads and their content. They put out their vast trove of listener data and they use that to create physical ad campaigns that highlighted really bizarre, funny habits. Like for example, you know, the people who added Justin Bieber's Sorry song to their Valentine's Day playlist or people who streamed their boozy brunch playlist on Wednesdays of every year. So just like funny things that would cause a chuckle. Um, You know, you don't want to be too serious. And then Airbnb also is a really good example of how they take their content strategy pretty seriously. Um, They're also founded by some serious designers as well. But their voice is the extension of their brand and personality within the product. It's the foundation of everything they write. So they actually have their content strategists sit with their designers of the product to map out entire flows. They agree on the hierarchy of information through their user experience, and they weigh different approaches to design or content creation. Um, So they also use insights from their data science team, their research team to inform recommendations, and they look to product managers to help understand the problems of information that they need to convey to their people using Airbnb products. So they're collaborating with engineers, bringing in legal teams to review content. They're working with language managers to be localized. So, I mean, ultimately, it's very possible to be creative in technology. Um, Your job is to balance business goals and constraints with the needs of your audience. At the end of the day, you want to put yourself in the shoes of your audience and think about what they want to hear about. What they would want, yeah. Yeah, so clearly define your audience, whether it's an Airbnb host or a guest, or it's a developer, a data scientist, or a manufacturer. Everything you do should meet their needs and find the halfway point between what you want to convey um, and what they need. Okay. So coming right to the heart of the topic, and I know you've touched upon it, but if we were to like number it, what are your six tips for content creation? Yeah, so the number one for me that I've already mentioned is finding your niche and being authentic. So taking the moment to clearly define your vision, your goals, and maintaining that personal perspective on all of your content. The second piece of it is researching. So if you're feeling stuck over how to market your brand or figure out what to create content about, then just click through profiles of people or technology that you most admire and see what their brand looks like and sounds like. If it's cryptocurrency or blockchain technology, then begin to conduct research even if it's brief, gather sources, articles, other influencers in the space and take notes. I am a huge proponent of gathering a hodgepodge of information to help me define my own voice. You can bring in statistics that you find about that type of technology, for example, you know, blockchain technology is expected to reach $40 billion for 2025. You can use that to support your content and the assertions that you make. The third is be opinionated and offer value. 
So earning the right to an opinion on the internet makes it very valuable. Of all the things that people do online, the act of offering an opinion is not only one of the most popular activities, but it also underpins almost everything else that happens online. And you already know this just from all the popular sites today. It was pretty clear early on that opinions carry weight and increase the level of trust between those offering the opinion and those who are seeking it. So for example, if you're aware of the, the technology website Stack Overflow, they explicitly reward reputation points to those who are asking or answering questions that get upvoted. And so only the people who have a certain reputation are allowed to upvote. And so what they've done really well is establish a very effective reputation system that everybody is allowed to you know, quickly access the quality of an opinion. Um, the same thing goes for you know, Airbnb, Uber, et cetera. Uh, but the thing is, is just to remember that when you offer an opinion, then make sure that it's backed by research, which is step number two. Um, you know, obviously that can backfire on you if you are putting out disinformation, but there are other cues that can help establish trust in both people and your company. And all of this trust forms, you know, social capital, which has implicit value. So what you want to do is offer valuable perspectives that give yourself social capital because it will give explicit value through the communities that you're enabling. So just remember to offer insight. Think about your audience. Social media has always been about your audience, not you. Think about what's valuable to them and be very precise and accurate. I can, yeah, I mean, one example is if you're researching compute chips like CPUs or GPUs, don't just look at your own company products, but see what exists ac across the industry and run your own benchmarks, use the actual products, get hands-on, then formulate your opinions, then formulate your content, your takeaways, and what users can glean from your experiences. And just be very direct. Don't just say, you know, NVIDIA GPUs offer a faster memory chip, but it really depends on the person's use case. Instead, you can be direct and offer value and say that the NVIDIA RTX uses a faster memory chip, which, which results in better resolutions and explain why. Step number four is to be consistent in creating content. So just make sure that you are constantly coming out with content. Um, there are a couple of tricks that you can do. For example, you can create one piece of content, whether it is a blog post or a podcast, and create sub pieces of content out of that. And so that way you're able to really maximize the usage of that content without you stretching yourself thin. So let's say you have a podcast like this one, you can break certain parts of it into various clips and play that across Instagram or Twitter or create you know, eye-catching visual assets out of quotes from the speakers and then share that across Twitter or or Instagram. So there are definitely ways to scale the ability for you to remain consistent, but the consistency is really important because that's how you build a brand online. And I'm sure you already know this <laughs> as a content so it's creator. Like, it's like, um, you know, getting the most out of the collateral that you have. Exactly. Um, it's really, really hard to do it all on your own. And I admit that because I've been trying to do it myself, but that's sort of the work that you have to put in, in the beginning, as you start to build this loyal, audience base that follows you for all the value that you provide out there in the world. And then once you start to get successful, then you can start thinking about hiring a team or outsourcing parts of it. But one way to really allow you to scale is to reuse, reuse, reuse. Don't reinvent the wheel, you know, continue yeah. to use existing content that you have. Um, I have two other points too, five and six, which I think are sure. helpful. Um, number five is just making your mess your message which basically means authenticity. 
I was recently watching a masterclass with Robin Roberts from Good Morning America. And one thing that stood out to me was owning your personal story, your experiences, and making your mess your message, whatever that may be. So you might have gone through really hard times or suffered from imposter syndrome, or you went into technology with you know less programming experience like me. So just own it, use it to empower your brand and infuse what you create in your content. Um, at the end, this is what gives you authenticity and you don't necessarily need to be allowed very, very opinionated person like some other people online, but do whatever feels right to you and people will identify with that. That's the beauty of the internet, right? Finding communities that identify with you. The sixth one that I'll say is telling a story and optimizing your content to retain engagement. So what I like to do is really templatize my approach by using a five-point argument model. So when I write my content, if it's like a video or a blog post, I take the approach of following like what Disney does, where they follow this arch that helps explain a story where you have building tension, explaining challenges, and then introducing a peak where a solution is presented and then explaining the results and the impact and the takeaways and the next steps. And what that helps me do is look at content creation as a very formulaic process just so I can get words on paper because then you can get overcome your challenge of um, having writer's block. And once you have an outline done, you can start writing your story. You can add personality, add the creative components to it, add visuals to it, make it very platform specific if it's for podcasting or, or it's for Twitter, for example. So I like to templatize it just to make it easier for yourself. Great, great. Those are really some good tips. And do you think in 2021 and beyond, it's absolutely crucial to be personal with your content or can businesses come across as a collective entity rather than individual one? I absolutely agree that it's crucial to be personal with your content as opposed to look like just a company, business, collective entity. Um, in 2020 and 2021, it's, it's of course underlined the importance of personal connection even more. You can't go about as a business entity without a true, honest, and real set of individuals behind the brand. And I think for anyone working in an organization, it's been very obvious that personal engagement and connection has been important, whether it's internal or external to the company. Leaders these days have to take, make a concerted effort to show that they are understanding and they can hear the needs of their employee base as a person, not just as a leader of the company. If you're a manager or a CEO, people don't want to look to you during a difficult year like 2020 as an entity. They want to look to you because you offer guidance, you offer understanding, you offer empathy, you offer perspective. Right. The same thing goes for a brand online. Um, it, it would be considered tone deaf if you didn't mention something about all of the events that have happened over the past year and you didn't contextualize your content that way, right? So just keep in mind, stay afloat of what's happening in the world and how people feel in their personal situations. And always keep that in mind to, to maintain empathy through your content. Even as a technology company who's always focusing on the latest and greatest things, whether it's in cloud technologies or consumer technologies, always keep that in mind that we're all a world full of individual people who have needs and challenges. And so in 2021 and beyond, I think it's more than crucial to be personal with your content. And in today's day and age, is it important to have a presence on every social platform? I don't think this is realistic in a lot of ways. Um, I think this can come with time. So if you are an individual working on your personal brand, 
And even if you're a company just starting out, there are only so many hours in the day. So I really think that it's important in the beginning to optimize for a couple social media platforms, right? Maybe you start with LinkedIn and you start with Facebook or you're jumping onto TikTok right away. Either way, you don't want to try to boil the ocean, as they say. Uh, it's really difficult to stress yourself thin and try to create content for everything. But if you kind of take my approach into account where you scale existing content that you've created and then you spread it across to different platforms, sure, that, that will help. But in the very beginning, there are only so many hours in the day. Once you've grown enough and built an audience through one social media platform or two, then you can start expanding to others. And you can start leveraging tools like Sprinkler or TweetDeck to schedule posts and do cross-platform promotion um, because, you know, content needs to be formatted and platform optimized. And anything that you previously thought was true, but now you think it's a myth? I would say the myth is that it isn't a very valuable asset to a business or your personal brand. The myth is that content creation isn't, you know, worth investing in for your personal brand online. In reality, I think it's entirely necessary to surviving and thriving in this world of noise. Um, I know a lot of people are having aversion to social media and digital representation of yourself online, but I actually just see how powerful it is to, to providing you with so much opportunity. I, I've always seen social media as a tool. And what I mean by that is a tool to give me more opportunity. It's a tool for me to control my representation online. And I think if you see it that way, it might actually help you from seeing it as a daunting task. You can actually just see it as another tool in your tool belt. You can see it as a way, as a business tool. And still infusing it with your personal um, voice is important, but I absolutely think that that's a myth. And I do think there are ways that it can actually provide you a lot of opportunities. I, there's a person on my team that actually got onto my team because of her social media branding and her YouTube channel and everything she's done over the last few years to grow that audience. So you'd be surprised that's, how much it will amazing. provide you. Yeah. I mean, you know, LinkedIn, people will find each other through their personal brand. You write an ebook, people will find you online and give you opportunities. Like it's actually incredible how much opportunity comes your way when you, when you deliberately, you know, build an audience online. True. True. So Stephanie, if we look at the other side for just a minute, what do you think is the, in your opinion, the biggest challenge with content creation? Consistency. Pushing out content every single day. That's the hardest thing I would say. I mean, that's personally what I struggle with sometimes, but you know, it takes a lot of determination and practice, but this is how you build your audience. It, it won't be overnight. And there is no idea of instant gratification through this. It's something you have to hold on to for a while. And then maybe perhaps you get retweeted by Elon Musk one day and you become an influencer yeah. overnight. Yeah. But then if that happens, then what? right? Maybe you have one funny tweet and everybody follows you, but then what happens after that, right? You won't hold on to the attention unless you consistently provide value. So you have right. to create, can create valuable content for your audiences. And, and that's the reason why they follow you. I mean, think about the reason why you follow the people you follow um, because they stand out from the noise because they push the boundaries and they're strategic. So one way to do that is to create a content plan and schedule and, you know, really prioritize it as a part of your overall strategy. Um, but you know, like one thing that will help make it seem a little bit better is to start small. So what I mean by consistency is, you know, crawl, walk, run. You don't need to do it every single day. Maybe you start with like twice a month and then you start with once every week. Um, and then you build up to more frequent and you can scale your team. 
but I do see the value in remaining consistent. I mean, if you look at YouTubers these days, being consistent is what grows their, their audience to like millions of followers. And in the beginning, it's actually, it's actually more about quantity in the beginning, like how many videos they even have up on their channel. And then they start being consistent. I mean, consistency is underlines the whole thing, but that consistency, the quantity, the amount of output, the execution, that's all something that comes with iteration. Um, you know, I have this concept on my team called the first pancake principle. And it just basically means that repeated failures lead to success. So get out of your own way, just put out the things and you might trip up over yourself and people won't accept it. But creativity is built through iteration and practice. It's like a muscle that you have to exercise because you just have to, it's all about synthesizing new ideas, right? It's about taking in diverse experiences and creating new solutions to problems, just like how people who program and code can come up with very eloquent ways to solve problems. Same thing goes for content creation and building a brand for yourself. And lastly, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? That posting all my embarrassing college photos on Facebook albums is a bad idea and totally unnecessary. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but seriously, I would tell my 20-year-old self to stop trying to find my passion deliberately. Um, I used to actually be programmed to aspire for the next goal laid out to me. You know, get good grades, pick a major, find your passion, If you find your passion in your work, then you'll never work a day in your life, right? That's like the saying. But as I embarked on this exhausting journey to figure that out, I realized how flawed that thinking was. So instead, I trusted my intuition and I pivoted away from job offers and master's programs that didn't quite feel right or intuitive to me. And I started saying yes to things that both challenged and excited me. So, you know, I was seeking my passion out of college and out of my first job. And eventually I said no to some some jobs that didn't feel right. And eventually it landed me a job at Google as a customer engineer. And I just started doing videos for fun because I just liked doing videos. I had no, uh, you know, it really didn't have specific reward to me in terms of, um, you know, job at the moment. But, you know, I started getting more opportunities through it. And I started speaking at Google's annual, excuse me, Google's annual conference. That led to the team that I'm on now, where I was able to start this brand new team that's focused on technical content creation. So you'd be surprised, like following the things that excite you or, you know, you're just curious about will lead you to a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing goes with um, doing like dance competitions and, you know, trying that pageant that I never thought I would win or anything like that. So all of that wonder and fearlessness has led me to these jobs and opportunities that became my passion over time. Um, So I would just say, let your grit and your curiosity take you where you will belong in the future. Right. So amazing. So thank you, Stephanie, for taking all the time today. It's great talking to you about content creation. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amna. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to WeatherTech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.